What's going on boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. I was joined by Kyle Project Strength making his long-awaited return to Two White Lights and he was here to discuss a meet he was at, coached a lot of athletes, handled a lot of athletes, and that meet was Frat Nats, better known as Collegiate Junior Nationals. And it was a very fun four days of competition. It was a pleasure watching it. Kyle had a blast attending the meet. We cover the top stories, the headlines, if you will. We had a post on Two White Lights going through the lifts of the week, so we primarily covered those four lifters' performances and a few other storylines that stuck out to Kyle and I. We also talk about the meme-worthy content that Frat Nats always seems to bring. Uh, we talked about the shove uh, that Kyle Project Strength made his meme debut. He got Dave Hoft or Louis Simmons, if you will, uh, at Frat Nats, and we talked about that. We talked about the 25-kilo squat that just almost took out one of the spotters. Uh, we talked about the commentary, kind of a meme in itself. We actually defend a little bit of the commentary, and we also talk about some of the judging and officiating as well. And I get into one of Two White Lights' hot takes that we post on the page, and we have a really good discussion there. So primarily about young lifters setting realistic expectations and not talking themselves into being better lifters than they actually are. Really fun interview, uh, really fun episode. Actually, one of my favorite episodes that I've recorded recently because I love recaps. I love talking about meets that I've watched and I'm a fan of. So, uh, really fun episode. But before we get into that, got to talk to you guys about Leflar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, go to leflarbros.com, visit them on Instagram, and follow them. If you don't follow Leflar Bros and you follow Two White Lights and myself, I don't know what's wrong with you. You're not my friend anymore. Follow Leflar Bros because they have the best merchandise in powerlifting. I said it, that's a hot take in of itself because they create designs that relate to strength training, to strength athletes, and they look fantastic. I actually saw a few Leflar Bros comp tees at Frat Nats this week, and I was very excited to see that because I think they have the best comp tees out on the market right now. They look great, both comp tees that they have, and also they have a bunch of other designs that look fantastic, whether you're in the gym, whether you're just out in public, they look awesome. Go to leftlarbros.com, go check out their merchandise, and use promo code 2WL15 to save yourself some money at checkout. 2WL15, the best powerlifting discount code in the world right now. Make sure you are on that. And also, they have two white lights merch on leftlarbros.com as well. That's right, you can only get two White Lights merch on Leflar Bros, and you can use that same exact code for the original tee, the Fight Night tee, the dad hat, maybe another design coming. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, be on the lookout for that. 2WL15 will help you save some money there. Also, they are sponsoring Lieutenant Surge Power this weekend at Surge to New Levels, so I'm very excited to attend that, and it's very good that they're sponsoring meets because they give back the powerlifting community. What a concept, right? Also, make sure you are going to Rivalist.net and getting yourself some informed choice supplements. I know a lot of USAPL lifters listen to the show. They are drug-free, they are drug-tested, they are natty, and they need to make sure they have that informed choice label on their supplements to make sure they do not break one of them drug tests. Rivalist got you covered on that from pre-workout to protein to branched amino acids. All of them got that informed choice label on it. Use promo code ANGELO15 to save yourself some money at checkout. 
when you buy some Informed Choice Rivalus supplements. Also, go to lift.net and get yourself into some stoic gear. Again, watching Fratness, a lot of, saw a lot of lifters wearing stoic gear, and that brings a smile to my face because I like when lifters wear the best gear out on the market right now, and that is stoic. Get yourself some stoic gear on lift.net. Use promo code Angelo10 at checkout to save yourself some money. On the wrist wraps, the singlets, the knee sleeves, the belts, Angelo10 will help you save some money for all stoic gear. Also, make sure you are visiting, following, signing up for that newsletter on Notorious Lift. They are a proud sponsor of Two White Lights. We could not be happier to team up with Notorious Lift. Check out that episode with Joe Chow. Talks about Notorious Lift and... The reason why I'm happy they're sponsored by us because, or they sponsor us, is because they have the best stuff deadlift slippers out on the market right now. Not only are they fantastic on the platform, you look damn good deadlifting, and that's like 95% of it. Looking good while deadlifting. Get Notorious Lift No Slip Drip Slippers. Make sure you sign up for that newsletter because those things sell out quick. They got so many colors, so many designs that it's going to match your, either your platform or gym attire so well, but. They sell out in, like, minutes. I'm not even joking here. I'm not exaggerating. It's, like, one to two minutes. Sign up for the newsletter. Do not miss out on their drop. They have drops coming, like, every month, too. It's They're fantastic. I love them. So make sure you're following Notorious Lift on Instagram and visiting their website as well. And follow us on Spotify. Follow us on Apple Podcasts. I think the correct term is subscribe. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a review as well. Those are important to Two White Lights, and we're also available on twowhitelights.com if you want to listen to us there as well. And without further ado, here it is, Two White Lights. It is Wednesday, April 14th, and I got my man Kyle Project Strength on to talk a little Fratnats. Yeah, Fratnats, everybody's favorite. <laughs> Everyone's um, favorite memeable competition. <laughs> Everyone's. Yeah, I didn't want to. I didn't want. I didn't want to start with saying shit show, um, <laughs> but I guess I've said it now. But I, also partially because I, I do think it was, it was well run from my perspective. It was, and I was, and I was there, so yeah. I, I do have a perspective on it. It was fun. You know what? Watching yeah. Fratnets, it's fun. And you know what? If if something is ironically called Fratnets, it's got to be fun. It's got to be a little wild. It's got to be a little bit memeable, and it was because you challenged me to a drinking game during it, very frat nats like. <laughs> um, I drank a lot of Coors Lights and whiskey because of you, in result of that. And I was I, the only disappointment I had that I was not in Baton Rouge to you know partake in like the in person drinking game at frat nats because that's very that is so to the culture of you know uh, collegiate and junior nationals. Yeah. No, it was it was a good time there. It was a good environment. Um, 
I think given the, the COVID restrictions, COVID environment, mm-hmm. that uh, Travis did a, a good job of it. I know leading up to it, at least a couple of days out from it, there's a lot of uh, debate or there's a lot of uh, unrest on social media amongst some people with the, the pound plates and, and that <laughs> discussion. But um, I, I only saw, and actually it was a lifter that I had, there may have been more, but uh, a lifter I was handling, he did walk out 575 on a squat and then immediately re-rack it because he felt like he was going to get injured, but then we were able to get him into a 573 squat on kilos, so it, it turned out fine. Mm-hmm. But um, And Austin, I watched Austin's last warm-up. He was warming up on kilos, so I don't think he was affected by pound plates. Oh, like his, urge, his urge to compete got saved by the kilo plates. Yeah. He finally yeah. found that urge to compete again. Oh, that was yeah. that's great. That's that's that was so good. Uh, you know, because we like you know it can't be collegiate nationals without Austin Perkins. You know, the yeah. best uh, the best collegiate lifter in the world uh, right now. I'm not saying that ironically, he definitely is, but I am saying uh, in in just a little bit of him finding his urge to compete again. He is just my favorite person to give a hard time. He is like it's him him and Gage but him it's a little bit more serious Gage is like an easy target but yeah. but and and people care more about Austin <laughs> oh no so. oh no Gage is going to max out right now shit if he listens to this podcast he's going to max out tomorrow uh we might have to edit this he out did, so we can save back we could so we could save Gage's uh erectors but um so we got you know, frat nats, uh, collegiate junior nationals. And we did say this on, uh, our last Thursday show where we couldn't really do a preview of it because it was combined with collegiate and juniors. And that made a little bit of a mess of things as far as just like a coverage standpoint, but also you brought up a good thing that it kind of caused a little bit of confusion with lifters. Cause they didn't really know they could be collegiate and junior at the same time. Right. And that's where, so I was trying to do my due diligence. I, I coached the um, University of Oklahoma powerlifting team and then also just talking to friends leading up to the meet, um, friends that were competing in juniors. I was trying to help them kind of map out their competition. But the way they were doing the roster, one, the way they did the roster was actually very good, very useful. But they, like, it wasn't until two days out that I could really see who was doubled up as both collegiate and um, junior competing as both divisions. And uh, it, it weirded me out because there's so few lifters competing in junior. I would have thought that there would have been way more lifters and a lot more of like population dense weight classes competing as juniors. Obviously you have to qualify for both to, it's easier to qualify for collegiates than it is for the juniors. Um, but I, I was sure and both just looking at it and also knowing some of the lifters, I knew that some of them would qualify for both and weren't registered for both. I talked to one of uh, one lifter and he said that he just had bad information um, mm-hmm. from his school about that. Um, and they actually had him competing as a junior, not as collegiate as well. So it was, really weird on that but um but yeah it it was hard to see what was going going on ahead of the meet but now hindsight 2020 we obviously know who who had the 
the breakout meet who who looking forward to nationals um would like what we talked about earlier would actually have a total that could potentially win and and those sort of implications yeah absolutely and also just on that because i you know I, I was kind of unaware of like some of the confusion that could happen but also as far as just covering the meet afterwards as well um there was a lot of really great performances on the equip side and the raw side and in doing the show we can't cover every single lift lifter who had a great performance it's very hard to do yeah. um especially without any prime time sessions and it's not like raw nationals where you kind of under it's very simple raw nationals where you know we get the the champions of each weight class um this one's a little bit more difficult because it was switched up between uh junior and collegiate so if you guys saw on two white lights we started doing this recent thing called lift of the week and usually it's only going to be one we did not lay down the ground rules on the show yet so it's only going to be one we had to do four because it was such a big meet and there were so many great performances but we always try to rank competition lifts higher. Uh, we don't want to see gym lifts. We don't really want to see like strap lifts or anything like that. Uh, we don't want to see just some basic, you know, training day where someone's hitting like a 700 single and it's like RP six and a half, seven. And because they're a big name, they get reposted. Lift of the week on two white lights is going to be something that covers powerlifting as a whole. And I think the best way for this show to work is talk about the four people who are featured on Lift of the Week this week. And I will, and I put her first for a reason because I think it was the best performance of the weekend. Celine the Machine Crumb had herself a meet, a brilliant meet. And she had, as far as anyone uh, we're talking about right now, as far as good lift points, she had the highest male or female which is huge because good lift points kind of skews in favors of men. And with a 107 good lift points and her total, which was just over a thousand pounds, she can find herself legitimately in a national championship conversation. If she was competing at raw nationals and she's not competing at raw nationals, she's competing at Carolina primetime. And that's going to be a really exciting meet in of itself because it's happening a week before raw nationals. So you can possibly, get the actual national champion at that meet. And Celine has put herself in a position to potentially do that. And that's why I have to lead with her because she has built so much momentum in her training and into her meets. She is progressing very nicely. And it seems like, it seems like the ceiling is, I'm going into Steve Denovi terms. The ceiling is very high for her right now. And I'm very curious what this young lifter can do because Forget collegiate and juniors. She's ready for the open. She is ready for the open, and she is ready to possibly win it or at least get top three, which is massive. Yeah. No, I, I've been following her for a while. Um, she's one of those lifters where it's really fun to watch because she's so small, so strong. Like, she's calm collected during her lifts while she's throwing up some, like, massive weight. Mm -hmm. um, so it's... And then, yeah, I've also been closely following uh, what Marshall is doing with the Carolina Primetime. And he posted that storyline of the 57 showdown um, between Natalie Richards and Celine. And I even commented on that. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm team machine. I'm excited to see what she's going to put up, like get another collegiate junior title, uh, which she did. Mm -hmm. And um, she 
So the totals at that point were 427 and a half for Lane and then 440 for Natalie. And yeah. then pulling it up now, we have uh, Lane totaled 455. And so mm-hmm. that's what I was like, ah, this is kind of like, and I don't know when Natalie's uh, meet was from. I'm sure she can put up more than 440 at this point. But it, it didn't tell the full story for me. Um, and I, that might be just because I was following Celine's uh, training a little bit closer. But I, I didn't think that she was truly the underdog uh, as much as that, that side-by-side showed on the, uh, the Carolina Primetime page. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm definitely excited to see, and then I think kind of what like what you're hitting on. It's interesting that the rise of these primetime meets um, it have the implication of like not taking away from nationals, but it's like you don't have to go to nationals to find national level competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and and for meet directors to do it right like this and to recruit and invite promote and host these these well-done meets at the local level is, is amazing. So testament to what can be done by young, kind of, I guess, new age meet directors. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think that Celine was, I think, hoping to get herself a world's position so that June meet actually really worked out in her favor because she didn't really even do nationals in order to get that yeah. uh, world's. But unfortunately, we saw we said on last show uh, – they were not sending a junior worlds team or a collegiate worlds team um, to IPF worlds. That was going to take place. Uh, but yeah, I, I do agree with you. Like that, that like these primetime meets offer this, this very uh, unprecedented competition in powerlifting where we're going to see matchups prior to raw nationals and Natalie and Celine is about as good as it gets. And we're going to get like, like almost an appet a really good appetizer to raw nationals because this is and this is the great thing about those primetime meets is we get actually something in the meantime that keeps powerlifters occupied and keeps powerlifters interested. And I say that because all sports have something that keep you interested. If you're a sports fan, you got seasons for all the sports. Powerlifting, there's so much there's so much gaps in between meet to meet that this is going to be really interesting. It's going to be fun to watch. Um, Celine's performance was awesome. Eight for nine coming back after a missed second bench attempt and coming and nailing her third. Uh, that's always a hard thing to do in competition and she did it. So I think leading with her, um, as the, you know, the top story is appropriate thing to do. I think, uh, a, a surprise in a lot of people's minds as far as like who could potentially take that futures position as one of the premier female lifters. Cause I think, um, especially from collegiate nationals. Like if you think of the collegiate nationals, you're probably assuming that we're going to lead with like Shane Nutt, Austin Perkins, Sean Mills, Isaac Whistler, but she's got the lead and it's very deserving right now. Yeah. I agree with that. Shane Nutt, huh? Yeah. 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 yeah all right. And let's go Shane. <laughs> Yeah, after you said that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and let's yeah, and let's go, Shane. Uh, yeah, that's an inside joke right there. Um, yeah, so Shane Nutt had himself a very good meet as well, and his meet stuck out to me the most, or or one of the most, because of this important thing. Shane Nutt for a long time was known as a 
stud 83 kilo lifter from he was 18 he was pulling i think over 700 or close to 700 he had a great squat and bench he looked like he was primed to one be not only the best deadlifter in 83 because it looked like he was taking that trajectory to be the you know break you use record but he also looked like he was by the time he was 21 years old going to be the best you know top five 83 kilo lifter in the world and he did something that is so difficult for a lot of collegiate and young lifters and junior lifters and that's go up a weight class so many young lifters get bogged down in their weight class because they really believe that they have to stay in that weight class to be successful or to be competitive and that top or that upper weight class scares them because they know what they have to move and Shane Nutt went up to 93 and he kicked ass he had the best good lift points as far as raw lifters go on the male side he threw in a terrific total and guess what he moved up a weight class and he deadlifted 340 kilos that is 750 pounds he didn't do an 83 but he went up a weight class and guess what a 750 pound deadlift is good no matter what weight class you're in it's crazy what happens when you move up a weight class you eventually make progress you're not bogged down you don't get either stuck in an injury or stuck down making these massive weight cuts and he did it and now we're talking about him being a problem at 93 for in a few years because that's what happens when you're smart with your training and mature with your training. You might take that step up and actually be a good lifter. It's hard for a lot of young people to comprehend that, and I think Shane has done that, and I'm very, I'm so happy to see that. Yeah, I think it's an important, important uh, note that he had, um, just because, like you said, like a lot of people think that they have to stay in that class to remain competitive versus Shane went up total of 795 um just barely edged out Hayden by by two and a half there and yeah um, and talk about another deadlifter that guy is ridiculous I love yeah. him and that that was interesting I, I've talked about that with a couple people um I actually didn't get a chance to watch that battle um I was handling at the time but um I I know that the, from what I've heard, um, Hayden adjusted his deadlift, and so he could have he could have taken the extra two and a half and tied on um, tied on total, and then beat Shane on body weight, um, or he could have obviously taken the five and just won it outright. Um, but yeah, it, it is also important to note there that they they placed number one and two not at like 92 point something it was 88.9 for shane and 88.6 for hayden so yeah. good on shane to move up and to put up that massive total to grow into the class take his time to, to grow into the class now um he hasn't filled it out so that's just more room to grow mm -hmm. um, versus cutting into his game so a lot of people try to cut to be competitive when they don't realize that they're also potentially cutting into their progress so yeah Shane's awesome to, to watch I, I did manage to see one of his lists there um, live and obviously saw his recap and everything so um, but yeah it'll it'll be interesting to see what he can do at 93 and as he fills it out yeah 
yeah, I'm I'm very curious to see him and Hayden really as far as the future of that 93 weight class because you did say, and I actually didn't even realize how uh, how much Hayden gets to fill out the 93 kilo weight class as well. So yeah, that's an important thing, filling out the weight class. I'm current experience. I'm currently experiencing that. Like as more you have weight to gain, the better your results are going to be, and it's actually a good position to be in to be a few kilos under and actually grow into it. So you don't. I mean, Shane probably doesn't need to cut to 93 for like four or five years potentially who knows like he doesn't maybe have to make a big weight cut and he could really take that entire time to work on his total and get somewhere big in the sport so i yeah and again nine for nine performance 106 uh uh good lift points he finished off the day with a three uh three uh 340 kilo deadlift which is massive um i think a 795 total and I'm yeah. I'm very happy to see that uh, out of out of a young lifter. That's that's always that's always good to see. Yeah, I I think it's underrated the luxury and the benefit of not having to go through a cut and just walking straight straight through your meat. Yeah, you know, not not having to deal with the stress, not having to deal with the the refeed, all all that. Um, so yeah, it, it is definitely a luxury to be. To also be that strong, and when your weight class as a light ninety three, mm-hmm. so um, we'll we'll see how long he he takes on that. I feel like he's, I mean, obviously got a good head on him. He's gonna fill that out responsibly. Um, I, I don't think he's gonna like rush to fill it out, but um, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, and it's it's really hard to rush to fill it out. Like it's just, it's very difficult yeah. to do that. Like he's he's a, I actually didn't know until I met him at the Arnold. Uh, I had him on the show. Uh, a very actually one, he was one of the first guests we've had on Two White Lights, and I didn't know how tall he was until I met him in person at the Arnold. I'm like, whoa, he's actually. I mean, he's normal height on regular person standards. He's like 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, uh, but he's a giant. If you're 5'9", 5'10", you're a giant in powerlifting. And I didn't know how I didn't know how big he was. He was a he's just a big, big dude. And that's when I kind of realized that he was a big 83. Um, and yeah. he did the wise thing there and went up to 93. And, yeah, he uh, – I'm very confident he is going to kill it in um, – in the future. And, uh, someone said that he has potential to be the pound for pound best, uh, deadlifter in the USAP in a few years. And I believe that because his, his, his deadlift is one of the best I've seen as far as conventional goes hook grip conventional. He does it very well. He does it, um, very, you know, he really relies on his technique, not exactly all of his leverages, and all the strength that he has. Uh, and when you combine the three, like he does, it's going to be nasty. So, yeah, Shane Nutt, good on you. Love to see him compete. And now to Cassandra Carlton, who was the third feature on our Lift of the Week. And I think her performance has kind of broken onto his scene because of a very interesting thing here. Um, the numbers are there. You know, 100 IPF good, good lift points. Uh, best raw lifter on day i believe it was yeah day two but here's the thing she is in the 69 kilo weight class and she was breaking american records all over the place it's a relatively new weight class so that's what's going to happen she broke i think american records on all three of her lifts uh squat bench and deadlift 
Let's see, records. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, she broke. Yeah, she broke all of them. So she's the record holder on, I believe, all of them right now. I could be wrong on that. But the reason why it's so impressive is because not only the weight she lifted, but that 69 kilo weight class is new. It's a new weight class. And we said on the show before, we believe Chandler Babb right now is the favorite to win 69 kilos at Raw Nationals. And, you know, Kristen Dunsmore's, you know, behind her. But she has a legit chance there of breaking into the top three. And I don't think if we talk about this a year ago, we're saying that. Because of, because there was such a gap between weight classes. Now she has a weight class she can comfortably compete at. And she could make some serious noise uh, when... I, don't, I actually I might have to check with this. I don't know if she's competing at Raw Nationals. I might have to do um, some due diligence there to see if he's actually competing at it. But if she does, that's that's going to be a really interesting battle. This, like we said on the show before, the 69 and 76 kilo weight classes are the two most interesting and almost the two most exciting weight classes of all of Raw Nationals because it's so fresh and there's huge lifters competing. If you go to 76, talk about a collegiate lifter, Chloe Dublin is in that division. So, you know, her and Jasmine Penn are going to go at it in a different weight class. And then at 69, you have Chandler Babb, Kristen Dunsmore, and uh, Cass is throwing her head in the ring there. Yep. I mean, even on the equipped side, um, Jabby Martinez from UTSA, mm-hmm. she did the same thing. She claimed all four, um, put up massive totals. But again, it's if she competes open national, or I should say equipped national, um, She's in serious running. Um, I think she's actually going to be competing raw. Um, if Ooh. she's a monster, I, 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 I want to say, can't verify, but uh, like right now, but I want to say she might be doing uh, just raw nationals. But again, she's a monster, both raw and equipped. And like you were hitting on, this, it's interesting to see these classes because I can only assume, and I, I do know Gabby, so I know her mindset on everything. Like she's, Highly motivated, highly driven. Um, she she wants to hold these, but I I also know within her captions she kind of said like she's going to hold them as long as she can, but she's they're probably going to get broken just because it, it's right there in front of everybody and everybody's making that decision. Am I more comfortable at sixty nine? Am I more comfortable up at seventy six out? So it. The way it shakes out, it, it benefits the lifter. It's great move to have these new classes. Um, and, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it, it takes shape. So, so, Yeah, and one thing I really love seeing, too, is the fact that they started off these records with a bang. Like, it's great to see that, where it's not just yeah. some, like, these low-tier records being broken. Like, oh, okay, yeah. well, that's going to be pretty easily but- like they start off, yeah. they start off like okay. Now it's actually now the records that are set over there are actually competitive already, and we we yeah. barely have these weight classes. Like they they are Cass and Gabby are fantastic ambassadors already for the sixty nine kilo weight class. They already like made it a little bit more prestigious, and it's not even a year old yet. So that that to me is awesome. Um and. Uh, Actually, as a powerlifting fan, grateful that they did that because now the 69 kilo weight class gets more hype. It gets more hype leading into Raw Nationals, and I still think that people aren't acknowledging it. I think, of course, like the big headlines are always 
Russ, Sean, Ash, Bryce, you know, the 74 weight class, like all those get, and then, you know, Daniela, Daniela and Amanda, but that right there is like the truest form of competition. You're getting like five females who can potentially win 69. Now, again, we, I, 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 based on Chandler Babs, like gym numbers right now, it's like, it's, it, it looks like he's going to win. It looks like he's going to be like the 69 kilo queen for a little bit, but you never know. You never know what happens in competition. And, um, I'm excited to see that. And if Gabby goes to 69 raw, all right, we have, we have another competitor in there and there's a lot of them. Yeah. And what, so what else stuck out, or I guess we have, what stuck out, we have the, the fourth lister, right? Yes, we had, we, we posted four, and one of two White Lights favorite sons, one of my favorite lifters, one of my favorite people in the sport, Isaac Whistler had himself a meet, and he, dude, watching Isaac compete is so genuine and so amazing, because yeah. everyone, you guys... Everyone listened to his episode on Two White Lights. It was one of our better rated episodes that we've ever had. And because he he is legit that person that you see in the gym. He is intense. He is enthusiastic. He brings all the energy in the world. We did that podcast, I'm not joking, at about 1130 at night. And it seriously felt like he had all the energy in the world still. We talked to like 130 in the morning. Because he just, he just he's, he's an energizer bunny. And... Watching compete, he brings that same energy onto the platform, and he killed. He killed it in the 120 uh, weight class. He did so well. All of his lifts were executed, aside from a second a, a second squat depth. I'm going to pull up his uh, his numbers right now um, on lifting cast. But this this stuck out to me, and I know there was um, lifters who were technically had better good lift points going in, but it stuck out to me because. His performance was very similar to what we said about uh, Sean Oriegas, where he, let me pull it up right now. It's very similar to Sean Oriegas because he totaled 825 and seemingly he had a little bit more in the tank. And when you have a little bit more in the tank, that means you could take it to Raw Nationals and, you know, put up a bigger total. Isaac hit his lifts pretty easily. He missed his second squat, but he came back and destroyed his third squat with a a huge 320 kilo uh, squat. And he was solid throughout the entire day. And the 120 kilo weight class is so open right now from two to nine. I think with this performance, he just possibly put himself into a second place position. And that's massive. If you're that young and could throw yourself Right next to Dennis Cornel, I, I don't think anyone's beating Dennis. But if you could throw yourself into that position where you're possibly getting second or third, that is that's some big news right there. And it would be awesome to see Isaac do that. And I really think he can do it. Eight for nine day, he finished off with a three thirty deadlift. Which again, I think he could have got three thirty five. I thought maybe on a squat, possibly three twenty two, three twenty five. Um, I actually did. I was not able to see his bench press and. To typical Isaac fashion, he was so intense that he got in trouble. <laughs> are, are, are you talking about the, the deadlift? Or? Yeah. Yeah, I know uh, a lot of people were speculating that it was just like him swearing or him going too crazy. And it wasn't. It was from uh, the rolling 
the rolling the bar and then leaving the platform. That was the whole conversation yeah. between, I think it was him and Tony. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So but in- it was, it was perfect as a question. Like you could tell that he was trying to harness in all of his energy on deadlifts. Cause he was like yeah. almost throwing his deadlifts on the floor. I'm like, please Isaac, don't get red lighted for slamming your weight way too hard. I'm like, please, that'll be such a bad thing. But like, you could tell that he couldn't harness it. He couldn't, it was killing him that he couldn't lose his mind on his first and second deadlift. And his third deadlift, he nailed it. And you could tell that he was, all right, this is it. This is Isaac. He, he screamed, it's, let's go! Not, not only that, but, uh, and he, he'd asked me to record his, uh, his deadlift form um, out from the audience. And uh, so I was, I was right there up front, and uh, first and second deadlift, no no real hype, not true Isaac fashion uh, prior to the lift. Um, there definitely was some like in the moment during the lift, like you could see his like head bobbing, you could you could hear him like oh yeah, like that sort of thing. But then third deadlift, and I knew I I was waiting for it. Uh, he like behind the curtain. He, you just hear like all of a sudden like like they knocked away bars loaded and then and then it's the uh, yeah let's go like so it, that that was the true Isaac and then it was like cool one second two second and then he comes out and I'm like yeah this is about this is about to fly and yeah mid mid deadlift as soon as it breaks the floor he he starts screaming again so but that that's what you love to see um so great moment great lift there for Isaac. Yeah. yeah, great, great total, obviously. Yeah, eight fifty five and all that. Yeah, eight fifty five kilo total. Uh, massive day from him. I'm very happy to see it. I might be a little bit biased towards Isaac because of just how much I like him um, as a competitor, yeah. but I still think he's worthy of uh, being one of the top stories here, simply due to the fact that uh, he can get himself into the open position, and he's actually arriving as a you know a legit. Uh, a legit open competitor because I think what happens a lot with these young competitors, including Isaac, is they have their age always attached to things. Like, oh, he's great for a young lifter. He has a lot of potential as a young lifter. And now he put in a total that's like, okay, the, obviously he's a great lifter. Now it's just him getting to the open um, and doing what he can, doing what he could do over there. So um, I'm excited to see World War II at Raw Nationals. Um, he bought yeah. the war to Baton Rouge, and he's gonna bring the war to Daytona Beach. And this might be, this might this might be a bigger war. This might because I felt like uh, the the uh, some of the uh, the officiating crew were ho- holding in the war because they didn't want to see it be declared on American soil just yet. But I think yeah. it's gonna happen. I think it's gonna happen soon. And and um. So that's the ones that we posted on uh, Two White Lights page, and I think we should lead with those. But there was also something that really stuck out to me, and that was the battle of the 105s. The 105s were super, super interesting. I'm not just saying that because Sean Mills competed at it and Grant Iverson competed at it as well. It was interesting because there were some great competitors there, and they are actually battling it out for first place. Yeah, it was good, man. Um, well, me specifically to that. Um, I mean, I I know a local lifter. He's been a member of my gym before, and I, I'm pretty familiar with the UTSA team and um, coaches there. So um, Kevin Buddha, um, mm-hmm. Buddha is just the uh, I, he, he 
almost um, to our, our point earlier, I, I just think he needs to move up a class. The dude had to cut 20 pounds. And okay. so he ended up throwing up during his squat warm up and all that. And he actually had the defense training and everything. But um, it, it didn't translate to the platform as, as well as it could. And it's, it's kind of frustrating to see. I, I like the guy, but, but yeah, it's just one of those things where it's a it's a fun meet when and very small like factors like that can make such a big difference. Or missing one attempt can make such a big difference. Um, and so yeah, kept for Kevin um, Kevin Buda win uh, seven ninety two versus the uh, eight twenty eight that Sean put up. Um, I mean Kevin misses his last deadlift. Um, it kind of it, it hurt the numbers. They they made the right call. So he went eight for nine. But that's something where nine for nine wins it, and that's what Sean did. So mm-hmm. um, just beating out Paul and then Grant finishing uh, third there. Yeah, yeah. You know what? That was I. I was unfortunately not able to watch that entire battle because that's that's a, that's a shitty thing about not having primetime sessions. I'm not saying that collegiate national should have primetime sessions because. Uh, it's just very difficult to do, but yeah, I was at the gym. I had to work out that day and I wasn't able to see Weez compete. Uh, and I was, I was excited going into one Oh fives and you know what? I'm going to slap myself on the wrist here because I was not aware of, um, of, of Paul. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. And I'm actually very upset about that because I always felt like I had all the tabs on the Chicago lifters. Yeah, and I didn't on this one. Yeah, I apologize I, to Paul. I, I I don't want to even try to pronounce his last name. I might still try. Hario, <laughs> Harayo. Just, just spell it out. Just, no, yeah. I'm not doing that. <laughs> Paul, I mean, you know, UIC guy, and he put in a great performance where he was trying to pull for the win and <laughs> the greatest shot of Raw Nationals. I wish they actually, hopefully, you know, um, I think Justin Nutt was doing a lot of photography. Uh, Shane Nutt's brother. Yeah, I want a shot of. <laughs> of Grant peeking through the the uh, the the curtains oh, yeah. to see the and his his face is so innocent. I mean, he's eighteen, so it's very clear why it's innocent. It's so innocent of him, like looking into the like the platform to see if he actually pulls it. And uh, I think Joey Flex is in the background too. That would actually be just a fantastic shot of like the look of worry, yeah. but. Yeah, it came down really to that last deadlift. Um, Sean Mills took it. Terrific performance from him. That squat is undeniably good. He helped his lifter rating. Congratulations. Your lifter rating possibly is going to get up to the 80s now, Weez. So you can be very happy about I'm very happy for you on the uh, on the uh, lifter rating. Uh, <laughs> I almost did the Weez impersonation. I don't want to do it. I almost, almost did the Weez there. I might actually break it out at a point. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lifter rating is definitely going to improve there, nine for nine. Maybe a little controversy as far as that deadlift goes. Um, uh, a lot of people were messaging me like, "Okay, be honest here. I know you're his friend, but do you think he got away with one?" I'm like, it was a gift per se. Per se. Per se, it was a gift. But, uh, but you know, let me check. Let me check the exact. Let me check the exact wording on the rules, and let's see. Uh, let's see. Let me let me see what they say. Uh, let, me, let me get back to you on that one. But, yeah, uh, I, I thought – I was actually surprised at the call because I thought it was either going to go two white lights from the le- left judge and the right judge, and from the center judge, I thought it was going to be a red. 
but he got two white lights, a red light from the left side judge. It was it was it was, it was yeah. an interesting call. It was interesting. It was very interesting. There were so many of those inside jokes in that in the last <laughs> minute. I don't I don't know if everybody picked up on them per se, but <laughs> so <laughs> it's been a lot. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah, and I bet you they like ruined it for everyone too because they they really can't stop with their jokes. They like they actually can't yeah. like they can't even hold themselves like accountable for it. Yeah. It's actually it's oh it's actually quite funny when they do it. But uh, yeah, um, I thought yeah, I there was a little bit of a controversy there with that. But you know, it's it two white lights. He's got it, and that got him the win. So congratulations. Uh, you know, another one of two white lights, favorite teen lifters, uh, junior lifters, Grant and Wee's killing it. And, you know, I've, Paul made me a fan of his because, um, yeah. you know, I, I, again, I'm very upset at myself that I didn't know who Paul was because I always try to keep tab on the Illinois guys. Yeah. I was busy getting a day off during that. Um, so I, I was, I was, <laughs> I was, I was handling a, a 105 lifter, uh, Dan Cole who um, I, I can't go without saying that he hit 452 on his bench, and I'm very proud of him. That's just one of those, like, essentially internet friends where uh, I was band-day handling his, uh, his girlfriend. Um, she had a great meet. She went eight for nine, PRs on every lift. Um, she's coached by uh, Chep Henson. Um, so great peak there for them. And then he, he kind of just asked me, like, hey, what are you doing for the 105 session? I was like, I got a lifter from OU. And he said, can you, can you be there in the back room for me? Um, and it worked out on flight assignment, but my lifter was in a different flight. So I was still able to kind of have one of uh, my lifters, Claudio, who's the president of the, the OU team. He helped out there in warm-ups when I was helping with James. And, yeah, it, it ended up getting on a king of lifts and everything as far as James just, he, he kind of was upset during squat and bench, to say the least. And then he he hit his hit his third bench, his all-time PR for him, and he just launched me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was looking for whites. He was looking for somebody to push, and he pushed me for sure. <laughs> that was that was fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we, we yeah, and like uh, that was the great part of I mean, of frat nats is like there were so much memeable things. And I got to ask you, how does it feel to be kind of memed? I mean, I've been it, there before. I, I I honestly was prepping myself for it to get more attention. Um, uh, I'm I, I don't know if I'm glad. It, it, I don't know. I, I'm kind of indifferent. Um, it, partially just because like the the situation surrounding it. So it's like he he was definitely upset with um, some of the calls he was getting, and uh, I, I was doing my best to stick up for him and and all that. Yeah, I saw you kind of like, I'm like, because one, when somebody sent that to me, I didn't know it was you, because you had a mask on, so I couldn't really tell, then I'm like, oh, that's Kyle, and then when he shoved you, (laughs) because I didn't know the backstory of anything, I just thought he shoved you, and you didn't like know who he was, 
and I saw you kind of, like, launch, but you kind of gave him a hug and, like, kind of took yeah. him in the back like a bouncer. Like, very similar to a Got bouncer it. would take, like, someone out of the club. Like, you I... took him into the back area, and I was like, oh, looks like he knows him. I really don't know, like, who this guy is and if, like, Kyle coaches yeah. him. I'm not exactly sure, but That's it was exactly great. I loved it. You stayed on your yeah. feet, at least. Take that, Louis Simmons. You old That's bastard. Right. I, yeah. You old tough yeah. bastard. You couldn't even stand your two feet. Kyle did. <laughs> oh, you're supposed to be this tough guy, Louis Simmons. And Dave Hoff threw you across the yeah. warm-up room. No, yeah, that's what a couple people did. And that that's the main thing that I want to be known is that I stayed on my feet and I recovered. And I would have pushed back. I definitely – I had that split-second decision where – and it, it does show if you see the video or saw it that – I went to shove him back. I was excited for him as well, but I I also knew that he had been cussing at the judges. So I was like, eh, we should probably just get him the fuck out of here. <laughs> and so and so like it turned into like half of a shove and more of like a bear hug. And then I just took him. Yeah, out and it was very. And was, it was very bouncer esque. Yeah. yeah. So uh, kill him out. We go into the we, back. We did. We did have Zach Cooper, um, who's working at the, the head table. He did come back to the warm-up room and issued an official warning. So hopefully he his meat count. Um, and I told him, I was like, look, man, you've got to promise me. And I had a bunch of people messaging him. His coach was messaging him. His uh, uh, his teammates or whoever, like his training partners were messaging him, just trying to be like, yo, dude, just stay in the meat. And I was just like, look, man, promise me. No matter what happens on deadlift, you only talk to me, and after every single lift, you come directly to me, and I'll tell you if it got white lights or not, and then we're immediately going out to the hallway, and then <laughs> I'll, tell, I'll tell you I'll tell you when to go lift again. <laughs> and he agreed, and he, he did it, so I'm glad that he executed on that part. Um, yeah, it, it yeah. was fun. Yeah, uh, that was great to see. I and again, like I didn't know too much about it of like what even happened. I thought too he got red lights and he was just mad at you. I didn't know he got white light for it too. Like that was yeah. there was so because I couldn't see on on the live stream. It didn't have the white lights immediately up there. So I'm like, was he mad at Kyle and just right. fucking shoved his ass? But I'm like, also I know how powerlifters yeah. are. Shoving can be a good thing. It's very. It was hard to tell. Yeah. It was a lot of and, speculating. And to me, that's that. Uh, I could definitely see that from a lot of people's like point of view. Like, if you didn't hear like, "Oh, it was a good lift," or see the white lights, then it it could have easily looked like I put in a bad attempt for him. He made all his. <laughs> he made all his own. He made all all of his own attempt selections. Honestly, like I was there to kind of be like, "Yeah, it lived like this," um, or to help them through that, but. To me, typically when I, I game day handle like that, it's about the lifter. It's about their outcome, and especially if they have a coach attached to it, I'm just there to help execute their plan, not to make too many adjustments from that plan. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if we need to make, like, a, if they miss a lift, we need to take a retake or make a on-the-spot adjustment like that, we will. But if a lifter that I don't coach tells me, hey, this is what I want to go for, then I do everything in my power to make that happen. Yeah. Um, and, and we did, and we got, he, he had to retake his opener. So that's part of the backstory was he, there was a, 
a weird situation that I just don't have time or don't want to get into <laughs> on his opener. He had to retake his opener, and um, I'm glad that happened. But it definitely taxed him a little bit, especially when you're benching what he's benching. And then, um, yeah, he, he got a little bit too animated on that, that last lift. But rightfully so. When Gino is introducing, and that, that's my stance, like, I, I'll defend him on getting animated like that because when Gino is introducing every session with this is blood sport, like, cool. Like, I get it. Like, when you're handling typically women, they're going to just run over and jump on you. And, like, that's their way of showing excitement. But when you've got James Cole that, like, just bench 452 all-time PR, great job. Like, sure, push me, dude. I'll push <laughs> you back. But maybe let's do it at a USPA meet. <laughs> yeah, that's probably – I mean, hey, deal. USPA, they can talk all they want, but they do they do come on lifters for not for uh, cussing. They do not like cussing. I've seen it before. When I, when I commentated the Circle City Super – they gave a lot of warnings out for cussing on the platform. So the USPA, they could talk. They could talk all the shit that they're you know super hard and they're extreme. But no, they could be just as uh, just as uh, Quaker-ish as the uh, USAPLs are. Uh, you know what? That started. I, I think that might have been the first meme of uh, Frat Nats. There was some memeable stuff. Um, yeah. That twenty-five uh, kilo squat. I I was at Surge. My friend Ben. Uh, he's like he's like Angela. You gotta look at this. So I looked, and I was confused. What I, I thought, you know, oh my god, poor guy got hurt. He's doing twenty five kilos. Yeah. I thought that was the meme. The meme was the spotter taking a fucking shot of a bar right to the yeah. nose, and I shouldn't laugh. I laughed a probably for fifteen minutes. I'm not exaggerating. I was I was thinking about it on the car ride home because I immediately made Ben send it to me and post it on my story. I got like 14 notifications in five minutes, and on the way home, I was just giggling the entire time of this poor kid getting hit in the face with an illegal bar, and yeah, yeah. I guess and people kept me like, it, I love the people who message me, is this real? I'm like, no, it was fake. I got you a Dr. Deepfake video of a squat attempt. Yeah, it was a real yeah. thing, guys. I don't know if you're being sarcastic, but they're even on like subpar power team. He's like, "Oh my god, is this real?" Like, what? Yeah, it's real. It's not that unbelievable. Yeah, you, you, you photoshopped off the, the twenty five kilo plates, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, there's so many unanswered questions there because so many people are asking me, like, "Why did he do this? Why was he going for yeah. twenty five kilo squat?" I'm like, "I don't know the guy. I don't know." And then yeah. the other question, which is actually the better questions, why did the spotter get so close to spot a 25-kilo 25 kilo, 25 kilo squat attempt? I'm like, yeah. better question. That spotter, give him credit, was really trying hard at his job to keep the lifters safe. But in return, he almost broke his nose by his dedication of keeping the lifter safe. He, he probably missed on a... Austin 771 earlier in the day and yeah. got really like hyper attentive to it and yeah he lo- he looks away for a second he turns back and is way too close and just eats the end of this bar which great job to the lifter 25 kilo squat and he moved it like an empty bar um, <laughs> and it, 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 it definitely connected on that guy's nose like an empty bar but, yeah yeah good bar speed 
But yeah, then then it took a. I mean, I, I saw one of the recent um, one of the recent memes about it. It got multiple and well deserved multiple um, memes. But um, in that comment section, uh, I think it was uh, Steve uh, Singleton or however you say his last name. Of uh, he's like, all right, but credit to where it's due. This was this lifter and. The, the backstory isn't that he was injured, but yeah. he was just there to, to attempt the finish record. So, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I, I, but yeah, I need a clarification on that because it was a lot of questions going my way and I had no answers for people. I'm like, hey, guys, sometimes you just got to enjoy it's the meme. Funny. You just got to yeah. enjoy it. I can't give you explanation on why it's funny or what's going on here, but there there obviously was i i assumed it was like a back injury or something he tweaked in the warm-up room or something they changed the attempt and i i also thought in back of my mind like possibly a deadlift record possibly a bench record very similar to michael c where he took the empty bar and a deadlift so all of his records that he set would count i assume that but you know he gave us one of the most quality powerlifting meets i've uh, memes that i've seen in like you know uh, a solid year and a half two years now i I, uh, I, I, I think it's, I think it's powerlifting's best meme right now. It was very, it was yeah. funny, dangerous, hilarious. He also got two white lights for lift, which is, which was a very funny thing. I'm like, there's, it's, 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 it's like, it's like a constant hilarious meme. Like so many questions, so many, like, you can't explain what's going yeah. on. He apparently got two white lights for that lift. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was very funny. Uh, and also, the commentary. The commentary of the meets. Now, it was that was memed a lot. A lot. Yeah. And the memes, I have to say, were funny. There was a few memes that made me laugh of just those girls watching videos of and then the yeah. gauging the reaction. I'm not going to describe a meme to you guys. You got to go and watch it. Uh, I think it's on Lifting Bean or something. Uh, if you guys want to check yeah. out the meme. But... It's like it's such a fine line of like acknowledging that the commentary is bad and just being overly mean about the commentary. Because here's what I think happened, or you know, I'm like 95% sure this happened. They didn't think of commentary. They got these two poor 18-year-old freshmen girls to commentate the meets. And it's a hard meet to commentate to because there's multiple platforms going on. There's a lot of things. And if you're 18 years old, you're probably not nuanced to powerlifting. You probably don't get all of the stuff. And it happens at a lot of nationals meets from USAPL. The commentary at USAPL Raw Nationals isn't very good. I'm not a big fan of it. But it was it was it was kind of almost too appropriate to get like two 18-year-old college freshmen to commentate the meet and then kind of talk a little bit about nonsense while the lifts are going on. It was, again, very collegiate nationals-esque to get two girls who probably were like, like had to be convinced to do this. They're like, oh, this is going to be fun. And then them talking about Oreos and butter and why the... Why the <laughs> <laughs> why the why light. the why they don't have green lights instead of white lights yeah i'm I, like so did they did they 
<laughs> did they? I don't know. I, I mean, it's it's frat nat, so I don't know if I don't know if it's legal down in Louisiana or not. But <laughs> I don't know if they legalized it down there. <laughs> so, so quick defense or clarification, because again, like I've perspective from being there, they, so they have the commentators. Um, there's a little hallway at the venue to go back to the. Uh, the waiting area before you go out for your list. And so in that hallway, they had the commentators, uh, and I guess they just hardwired the, the stream in so they could commentate back there. But there were at least a couple groups of it. So I think there was probably a pair of female lifters that um, kind of blew up, kind of got me into the most. But I know that it... Every time I went back there, it seemed like there was a different pair of commentators, and both male and female. So I, I think the male commentators were earlier in the week. Um, I think because I, I think later in the week I only saw female commentators back there. Um, but uh, but yeah, it. Well, all right. I so mean, here's the thing, though, because <laughs> because all right. So uh, this is a little bit of defense in them. But they accidentally called the lifter a c word. <laughs> uh, yeah, they they yeah. called and I yeah and uh, you know I know it's an explicit podcast, but it was the c word. They dropped a hard t at the end of the c u n, and the lifter's name was like uh, it's Sydney I think Cuffer, Cuffer, yeah, and she messaged me like uh do, all right the funniest message possibly I've got on two white lights was her messaging me of the video of. During a live stream of her powerlifting meet, getting called the c-word, and Sydney got message from her parents being like, "They just called you the c-word on the live stream," and I could only imagine what Sydney was going through because, like, if if she someone messaged me that, like, like they just called you the c-word on a live stream, like, what did I do in order to for them to say that, like? Was it in mean spirit? Was it an insult? Did I do something mean on the platform? Did I do something yeah. that made people upset? It was a slip of the tongue, but they tried to correct themselves on the pronunciation of her name, and at the very end of it, they just called her a cunt and moved on. Yeah, <laughs> you did it plenty of times until the end. Yeah, until the end. But I like do. I like doing that. It's a it's a it's a joke I love doing. But yeah, they did it. They in correcting themselves, they called her a c word. <laughs> in their like wait, like trying to like fix the situation and making it thirty seven million times worse. Um, almost like the likelihood of a bad call being made. There's so many lifts. There's so many hours of commentary to be made. I'm sure there's plenty of slips. It just had to be the C word, though. Yeah, it was I the swear. C. That was the thing. It was the C word, like you know, ass about a about bitch. a lister, yeah, <laughs> dick. Yeah. So who knows? All of them, like, but the C word is like the mega one, especially if you're describing a female. It's like, oh no. Yeah. Uh, Sydney had a great sense of humor about it. Uh, I. I found it way too funny. Uh, she, she, you know, found it funny as well. But, you know, she was like, if anyone is defending the raw Nats commentary or the uh, collegiate Nats commentary right now, this is an example of, no, we please get someone else to do it. Like, please. And, 
Yeah, I, I think there's a reason why Gino gets kind of commissioned, hired, gets flown out all over the world to commentate and to MC. It's because he's good at it. Yeah. And he's a professional and he's experienced. It, it takes a certain level of that experience to do it well. Um, it, it takes someone like you um, that's a huge fan of the sport, that follows the storylines, that knows the lifters, that can do it. Like, yeah. and, and that's where, again, I, I think some people were making the, the right call on, hey, if y'all tried it, all, all you people making these like jokes and memes, you'd probably just be as bad, if, if not worse. Which, yeah, I, I, and I, I know... I don't I know think that. that. You, I think they could have done a better job. <laughs> I know that you posted about this, and I know that's your position, <laughs> but I kind of want to go on the other side of that and say that the majority of people, or maybe it's just because I'm biased, and I think that, because I've been seed a couple meets, and I think I do a good job of it. Yeah. But it's because I actually do my due diligence on it. Like, I'm familiar with the lifters probably already. Or if I'm not, I'm also, like, anytime I do it, I have my computer in front of me. I'm looking up lifters, like, past meets. I've got the database in front of me. I'm looking up their their PRs so I can I can actually say, hey, they do this hit a PR. Like, that, yeah. that to me is how you properly commentate. It's not just, uh, oh, this is a good list oh, this is a good list. That gets so boring so quickly. And I think that is important to note because we want the sport to grow. We need an audience for the sport to be called a sport. And so that's where a good commentary comes into play. Yeah. Because that keeps the sport alive or even establishes it in the first place. Yes. Uh, no, I know. I, I agree with you on that. And I'm going to make two points here. One to your first point when people said, like, uh, you know, if you were doing the same thing, you'd be just as bad, if not worse. It's a bad example because that's what literally happened. They found two random people and made them do it. And, like, I think if you get any two random people to make them do it who, like, follow powerlifting, they would be probably just as – I mean, probably just as bad, but probably, you know, maybe yeah. a little bit better, too. Who knows? Like, because that's what happened. That's what literally happened. They, this, is not their, this is not these poor girls' job to do this. But to the commentary part, I think emceeing and commentary is different. Emceeing is for the audience. MC is for the people who are live at the meet yeah. and want to know what's going on. That's why Gino's the best at it. Gino is great for a variety of reasons. He's colorful, but also explains the sport on the platform. That's a very smart thing to do. I know you're great at it as well. But the commentary is a little different because it's for the live stream. And... People were messaging me mostly negative things about the commentary. Like, if I'm going to put a number on it, 95 to 97% of it. But there was a few people who were like, you know what? I thought it was funny. I thought it was quirky. And, you know, it was better than monotone, professional-type uh, commentary. And I'm like, you could definitely find the balance between the two. And that's why commentary is going to be important for powerlifting. Because if you have two people treating it like a professional sporting event... You can have the color commentator and the play-by-play guy. Yeah. You can have that. You can have Steve Denovi and I or Joe Stanek and I do that because lifters and audience members and fans will appreciate when you know about the lifter. You know, I have two white lights for a reason. I know the lifters. I know them personally. We talked. 
but I also understand what they're trying to do in competition. That's smart. That's a, that's a smart thing to do for the audience because it will like the attempt selections make sense. Or you talk about attempt selections like, huh, this is a weird attempt selection, or this is a like I like this attempt selection from him. It keeps the audience informed and them active, and the lifters appreciate when you do your research and either praise them for hitting a PR or, all, or, or, or American record or a world record. Or hey, you know what? I saw I trained with this guy before. I seen him what he could what he could do on a squat. He, like this is it, it's going to be it's going to be a great squat coming up here. Or like you know what? I noticed he pitched a little bit forward on his deadlift. He has a habit of that. I seen a lot of his videos. That's good. The lifters appreciate that. But also it can all it could be entertaining. Like at this meet, you know, all these lifters have personalities. All these lifters are no, a lot of these lifters are known on social media. If you get into a primetime session or you get a lifter like Austin Perkins or Isaac or Weeze or Grant or Shane or um, Cassie, you could kind of throw in how you know them personally and make it, you know, funny or entertaining. And that does happen on commentaries for professional sports. Like some of the most famous sports commentators are entertaining. Um, Jack Buck, Harry Carey. Uh, I know people hate Joe Buck. I personally love, love Joe Buck. Joe Buck's another one of those guys, like Al Michaels, John Madden. All those guys were entertaining. That's why people love them. Um, and you can't have that in powerlifting. And I'm I'm obviously doing commercial right now for myself because I think I can do that for uh, commentary to actually, you know, give the lifters some sort of life, some sort of color, some sort of character, and actually make the live stream audience uh, happy. But also. Super quick. I don't know if you remember this. Uh, like it's it's. But do you remember Blake Barrett at IPF Worlds when he wore no. a yarmulke, and the commentator bought up that it was a bad head head. Uh, it was a bad headwear choice, and he did oh. not come out. <laughs> and everyone was like, "Oh, oh my god!" <laughs> like no, no, I like Blake. Luckily, it was Blake because he has a great sense of humor about those things. But that I think the C-word and the Blake Barrett Yamaka story might be like the two up. And, she, and like the, the female who was commentating that like apologized to Blake. And Blake was like, no, it's fine. I don't care. Uh, but it was, it was like top two like biggest fuck ups in powerlifting announcing history of saying poor head headwear choice of a Yamaka of... Of the Jewish faith. So calling a person a yeah. C-word and insulting uh, Judaism is yeah. like the, the big no-no <laughs> that we have in powerlifting right now. Well, I mean, the sport is relatively young. I hope it's relatively young and you're an up-and-coming commentator. So I hope you fuck it up. I, ho- <laughs> I, hope, we get you, I hope we get you enough gigs that you can... Uh, Put your put yourself in that hall of shame as well. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I mean, there was so, I mean, like Harry Carey had so many fuck ups on the mic, but like he was so known for fuck ups that it became like normal. Like him saying yeah. something like possibly a, a tad racist or <laughs> uh, sexist was like, it's yeah. Harry. Who cares, guys? Let Harry Carey do his thing. So who knows? I get enough of those, and I'm gonna have a fuck up. Uh, all commentators have at least one of them, so 
Yeah. Um, I mean, we we already know that you're sexist, so that's not. You just need to do the racist side. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Definite. You know, I, I will. Who knows? Maybe there might be some protests that they let a misogynist uh, the, the commentate uh, meets, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, you can try to cancel me all you want, but who knows if it's going to happen? Up. Uh, but another thing commentators can talk about, which is very important, is officiating. Yeah. That's one thing that is very important with the judging, with the officiating on why certain lifters got red lights, why certain lifters got white lights. And I think that would have been really useful for this competition as well because there was some controversial calls and possibly an announcer or a commentator can bring light on that. So I, I'm going to ask you this because you were actually there. But just as a general observation, and I know you got a lot of questions on this, and I got a lot of messages on two white lights. Yeah. I think it's almost, we always have to just get ready for people to say there's inconsistent judging at a national meet. We just have to accept it at a point, because I don't think it's ever going to change. I don't think there's ever going to be a meet where they say it was, hey, this was a fairly judged meet from lifter to lifter that has as many lifters as collegiate nationals and yeah. as raw nationals. So in that, yeah, it, it's almost frustrating for me, honestly, because it, it is people basically fall into these multiple schools of thought where it's inconsistent calls or it's, you're just not, like, oh, man, it, it's just you're not ready for it. You're not ready for the national level if just because you fail to lock out your knees or just because you never trained with a long pause and mm-hmm. you get a decent call on pause, like, you revert to blaming the judge, blaming something outside of your control versus blaming your training yeah. or blaming your ignorance of a rule um so it, to me it, it's it's one of those things of you just failed to prepare and the easy way out to justify it to yourself and to the world and your instagram caption is to blame the judging um yes bad calls exist but like any sport bad calls exist so to me, it's control the variables that you can. You can't control the judging, but what you can do is set yourself up for success as much as possible, and you can control that those like fine details where it's like cool, train to standard. Don't yeah. squat high. Like familiarize yourself with the rule book. Uh, like yes local meets are not going to be judged to the same degree of national meets. Yeah. I I honestly don't see an issue with that. Like, keep it a little bit more fun, but yes, to a certain standard that USAPL does mm-hmm. at a local level where you're reaching a lot more people. But when you're talking about national records, when you're talking about national titles, things have to be at a certain standard. And so I think there's an inconsistency in like lifters and what the lifters want and they don't even realize it. Like you're, you're calling for consistency, but maybe that's what you're getting at the national level. 
yeah. you know, versus, versus at the local level, you're not getting consistency because I could maybe go to a meet in one state with certain meet directors and certain state reps and things get called a certain way. Maybe they let me walk onto the platform a certain way with certain equipment or squat to a certain standard, but then in another state, I, I get red lights or warnings for that. Um, so to me, it, it's more on, and that's what I posted about earlier tonight, it's more of the lifter and coach's responsibility to educate themselves on the rules and to train to a certain standard um, so that they can't have that. They You shouldn't leave it up to a judge to give you that red light. Mm-hmm. You should just perform to standard. Yeah, I I agree with you on that. And I think at a meet like Legion Nationals, it's actually, it becomes worse because so many of them are young and so many of them are just yeah. not used, they don't have platform experience. Like, forget yeah. national level, local level too. So I think more lifters will complain about it or really bring light of it at a meet like this, especially when young people are involved because young people are quite impulsive and yep. they, they tend to blame things that they know they could control, but they want to find an excuse. And I have seen that with a few lifters and it's just like, and I will bring up, you know, a few, few missed calls that I saw, you know, potentially being controversial, but I, I, I don't think I could even articulate this. I think everyone in powerlifting can listen to two white lights and still say that collegiate nationals and raw nationals has inconsistent judging and just still not understand that they don't, they don't understand how the meets are even operating. Like I'll bring an example. And I've talked about on two white lights before it was raw nationals in 2019 on my deadlift. And I did the deadlift. I was not fully locked out. I knew this. It looked on the video that I was locked out and they gave me a long down command, but the bar was not fully stopped and they didn't give me the down command because the bar was kind of in motion a little bit. So they held it and I couldn't lock out my left knee and I dropped the bar. That's where you got the meme right after that of me jumping and frustration. I got posted on King of Lifts. Thanks, Ryan, by the way, for posting my fucking miss. But I got posted on... He's done that twice to me. He... Yeah, he... So I got posted there, and it was just, like, constant comments of, this is what's wrong with Raw Nationals. They don't give the popular lifter... Or they give the red, the white lights to the popular lifters and not to this lifter. The judging is so inconsistent. And I had to defend the judges who gave me the red lights telling everyone that it was the right call and saying that the judges are inconsistent is such a stupid thing to say because there's five platforms at Raw Nationals. There's three platforms that this meets. They're, it's obviously inconsistent because the judges aren't consistent. There aren't the same consistent judges on these platforms. You are watching nine different judges at Raw Nationals if you're watching all three of the platforms at the same time. So obviously the judging's inconsistent because there's all different judges going on. And there's going to be more missed calls at a big meet like this. There's going to be and you know, at primetime meets, none of the none of the judging comes into question. Because it's one platform. It, yeah. It's one platform and it's easier. It's like it's like, oh, the judges were really good there. It's like, 
Well, Raw Nationals, when you watch the, you know, the regular session, you're talking about so many different lifters, so many different judges. Of course it's going to be inconsistent. Consistency doesn't exist when that happens. You're essentially watching five different meets at once at these things. And I could say this all day. And still, people are always going to complain about it. So it's, it's almost like it, you're you're never going to win when you talk about judging in a meet. Yeah, well, I, I think it's a valid point, and we talked about it, agreed about that part earlier. But it's to me just a naive or ignorant mindset from again, kind of, and this. I hope it doesn't sound condescending, but it's just an experience. Um, experience has taught me that if my lifter is in flight B, I get them warmed up properly or I can, so that I can see flight A, or I might poke my head out earlier and say, all right, cool. I'm going to watch and see how long these pauses are because the head judge giving the the press command is going to be the same for my lifter in the next flight. So I'm figuring out what I need to adjust to ahead of time. But if that's my lifter, we've already been training for a long pause. We've already been talking about, hey, you're going to have to be locked out to, and but that, like, the standard of how to get the start command. Because I also see a lot of people complaining about, oh, they held me for so long. Well, why did they hold you for so long? Yeah. That. Like, come on. Like, you don't, and you probably don't know why they were holding you. You're, Coach Handler might not have asked or known the reason why, so it's like there's so many different points along that process that you can control, and lifters, coaches fail to control, and yeah. then they complain. So it, it's one of those things where it's, it, it's, I don't know if it's funny or frustrating or both because it it's so like plain to see for me. But again, I not in a condescending way. I, I definitely was there in the, the beginning as well, but there, I've picked up things from other coaches just from uh, asking them for help, or I've learned things from reading the actual rule book or competing myself. So, uh, but the the last thing I'm going to do is, is blame a judge that's there to volunteer and help me compete or my lifters compete. And then um, back, back to an earlier point too, it's like, um, or a, a good example, um, uh, day one, session one, I was able to record my lifter's lift from the curtain. But then session two, on the same day, different platform, different judges, they were holding a different standard, which was fine. And I was not able to record my lifters from the curtain, which is fine. I expect that at a national meet. Um, but then my lifter, immediately was like, yo, what the what the hell? I can't see my lift now. And I trying to be a responsible coach, because I also that that immediately plants the seed of like, all right, his caption is gonna be, man, F these judges, like I don't even have my lift, like, which I don't want that on him. I don't want that as on me as a coach or our university. Um it, it's not about it. So I reeled that in real quick. That was a quick coaching moment where look this is what's happening. We're going to have somebody record from the audience. And I'm here as your coach to judge the speed of the lift, to put in the next lift. We're fine. We don't need a video to no. 
make yeah, right. make the right attempt selection. If you're a good enough handler, coach, and lifter, you don't need a video as reference to make the right attempt selection. You just make that attempt selection. Um, so, but I'm sure plenty of people were complaining about that. And then um, I, I did like that they did. So there was that inconsistency, but then they made it consistent. Same same session, a different platform. Uh, they were allowing it on like the first attempt. By second attempt, somebody had already come over and said, hey, we're not allowing it. So they obviously, judges came together, said, look, this is the standard. We're not allowing for uh, handlers, coaches to record from the curtain. And it got enforced for the rest of the week. So three more days of it, um, you kind of got to give them props for that. Um, but yeah, to your point, to reinforce it, there's, there's not necessarily inconsistencies because it's at least a consistent platform when you have three judges sitting in the same chairs for the entirety of that session, of that platform, of that flight. Yeah. So you know what you're dealing with that entire time your lifter is competing or you're competing as a, as a lifter. So inconsistency, uh, no, uh, I don't really, I don't really view it. Yeah, now, I, now there are bad calls, but there also are bad lifters that just blame their list on <laughs> on the the judges instead. Yeah, I could always I could always get behind certain things if it's going on a platform and just not consistent with their calls. But a really, I think I had a conversation about Garrett with uh, Garrett about this. Was uh, watching some of the deadlift calls and like. Yeah, it looks like on this session, particularly, they were lenient on deadlifts in particular with uh with Sean Mills' session. Like it felt like they were, you know, um, the down yeah. commands were a little quick, um, and potentially some red lights there. It's like they were strict for squat and bench, but deadlifts they were a bit lenient, which is strange. Um, because it was dead. Like I, I always thought deadlifts was quite easy to judge. Um, only thing is like maybe a soft knee lockout or a soft shoulder, which we're going to get to in a second, but that's consistency though. As far as that goes, like if they're, you know, it's like, okay, the lockouts are looking a little soft. Is it good officiating? I would say no, but they're consistent with their calls. I could always get behind a lifter saying like, okay, like my squat was, you know, the same as this person's squat and they're not giving me the call. That's where inconsistency comes in. And I just, I don't see it as often. I, I don't. I, I guess. I, yeah. I just really don't see it as often. And maybe I have to observe like those platforms really closely in order to see like who's nailing it on the judging for this platform, who's kind of dropping the ball a little bit. But it with this type of meet, it's so difficult to do. Um, I mean, yeah. there there was there was a few examples that I saw that I just you know I. And, and miss calls are bad, like because that's that's kind of a it, it's a it's a lousy thing to happen, especially when you're trying to podium or you're trying to you know take first. Like a miss call will definitely yeah. definitely uh, throw a wrench into your uh, you know competition there, and like you never really want to see that. Yeah, it it has a lot of potentially negative implications mm-hmm. on placings or records. Yeah, uh, um, a lifter that came comes to mind, which I was watching, uh, Charleston Steffens, he misses 300 kilo squat, and that was you know 
that was big for his placing because if he would have got that, he would have got second, which was important to him. And I thought he got depth. I really did. I'm like, I, I don't see him getting any lower than that. I thought it was relatively the same as all the other lifters on that platform that day. And, um, yeah, that, that kind of dictated his competition a little bit. Uh, but at the same time, you really got to take a step back. It's like, okay, you know, he, you know, he also missed your last two deadlifts. So, you know, if you hit your last two deadlifts, you're, you're in the running there. You're, or your total is much better. So execute your last two deadlifts and you're good. So there's always ways to improve, but, um, yeah, it's missed calls are going to happen. I think that the other one was, uh, it was on day one. Um, light, Laisha, I'm forgetting her last name. Yeah. Laisha Gardner. A lot of people were messaging me that she got hosed in her last deadlift and I'm looking at the deadlift. I'm looking at the still frame. I, I would have white lighted it. I Apparently, some of the one judge gave her soft shoulders, and the left, ju- right judge gave her soft shoulders, and the left judge said, "Or it's you know mixed up." But they were giving her two different explanations on why she missed the lift, and I'm looking at it in the still frame, like it's close. You know, the shoulders. That's important. I've been, I've been telling a lifter I'm going to handle soon at a meet. I'm like the shoulders are important. I'm like, if you don't get those shoulders locked out, you will get called. That's actually yeah. an easy thing to see if you're a judge is the shoulders. Uh, the knees can be a difficult thing because, like, depending on how a person's quad is, it doesn't look like they're locked out a lot of times. So it could be a yeah. hard thing to judge. But you can see the judges in position give the call. I would have white-lighted it. And, again, that messes her total. And she's a, fanta- uh, a fantastic lifter. And, yeah, that does um, that does affect your total going forward. Yeah. I mean, she she's a national champ. Um, I'm – pretty familiar good friends with uh her coach so i'm i knew she was a lifter to watch going into it i knew she was projected to win uh, exactly what she did still put up a massive total uh, um but yeah it's kind of rough to see a call like that especially when i'm also in agreement it did look like it deserved all three white lights um at least from the angles we can see and from those angles you can also see that the judges are in position, like good position, to make good calls. Um, but then, what I thought was interesting on that specifically was she. And this this actually goes back to a, a local meet power fest, uh, and I'll I'll kind of drop uh, Gage and Johnny. Um, Gage, I was handling him, um, and he kind of got robbed on a deadlift, um, and a bad explanation was given on the um, why it was red lighted. Um, he was struggling with soft knees earlier in the meet, but one of the red lights, it was just a bad explanation, was not an actual rule. Um, so it was just a bad call all around. And then um, Candida was just like, yeah, you've got one chance to really make a good post about it, and that's it. Then you've got to move on. Yeah. Um, and he didn't, <laughs> he didn't really move on. Um, it was a couple couple posts for sure, but um, of course, of course I, it was. I I I did like that she she pointed out in a good way. It wasn't really over the top. It wasn't like like screw y'all. It was just hey, this is what happened to me. Um, drop the ball. Where was the where was the head table? 
yeah. there was no head table for protest. And then I, I text uh, Jordan or coach the next day, and I was like, "Hey man, do you do you notice there's two head tables today?" <laughs> it it was so it's one of those where it's it it sucks to see. I think she went about it the right way. They obviously saw and they addressed it. So I guess in a way, like another nod to them for addressing it, but like just don't let it happen in the first place. Yeah, you kind of got to have that. That's like one thing that you have to have. And that's, I think, uh, you know, you could definitely throw the criticism at them on that. Like, I'm not okay with that. You, If it's a collegiate meet, national meet, you have to have that head table there to challenge it. And that's important for, you know, um, I mean, there's actually some calls. Like, did the coach go and challenge Weez's last deadlift? I, I, oh, so you're not, you're talking about the non-flex coach. Yeah, Joey was over there on like everything. No, exactly. So Joey is one of the best game day coaches around because of that. He is on everything. But did someone challenge like a, from an opposing coach? Like, okay, that you're that, talking about like Hayden. Hayden's coach did Hayden's coach go and challenge it because he potentially could have gotten that. Yeah, like that's a, that's the thing. Like, yeah. so like that's where the head table is important because it could also mean. Like, this lifter didn't get the lift, and we saw that the judges might have missed the call. That's where the head judge table comes in important on the flip side of it, on, like, yeah. you know, getting a lifter a red light. And, hey, all fair love and war because, the, you yeah. know, you're in competition, and if you, if that's, if you think you got robbed, that's where you go and talk to the judges. Um, And, you know, good coaches do that. Good coaches actually do yeah. challenge those lifts. It's It's... It's sport. It's sport. That's what happens in sport. But yeah, I think uh, we could probably talk all day about judging and you know how it is. And I think again, we could talk about it out who I lights at length defending judging. Um, and people will still complain about judging always, no matter what. Yeah. Me too, because I remember you know remember when uh, USPA had like this you know massive pissing contest that they had superior judging, and then the Kern took place, and everyone was upset with all the judges. It just it doesn't matter. It's like in yeah. in powerlifting, it's always going to be a thing. Just like officiating in the NBA playoffs is always going to be a thing. Umping and uh, you know the umps in baseball, same thing. I mean, like it's we we can talk about it. There's going like there's always going to be ways to make it better, but when you have human error involved, it's it's going to uh, it's it's going to be a problem. I, I think it's just going to be one of those, like, mainstays within the sport, like, for better or worse. But, yeah, again, kind of what we talked about earlier. I just hope that more lifters, coaches, just kind of adopt that thought process of, cool, let's just train to a, a higher standard and let's educate ourselves on all aspects of the rule book so that we we don't have to – let it come down to judges' discretion. Yeah, and um, I think yeah, and I think with maturity that comes in, which you know it's it is junior lifters, it is collegiate lifters, and uh, maturity is there for a lot of them, but maturity is still developing for, and it's not a bad thing, not a bad thing if you're still developing into the sport. Um, and you know what? Speaking of maturity, this brings me to the hot take that I had watching collegiate nationals. Um, I post, I had to post this immediately as I was watching collegiate nationals. 
because I think it's important thing for young lifters and especially at that level to understand. Whenever you see junior lifters and team lifters take the platform, I think more so even with them than the open, you see a huge sense of confidence, a lot of vibrato. And a lot of times I think they talk themselves into being better lifters than they actually are. And confidence isn't a bad thing, don't get me wrong, but realism and being realistic is just as important. You can be confident and realistic at the same time. And watching Raw Nationals, I was very surprised of what I saw in a few weight classes, especially the 83s. The 83s, I said on the show that Nico, it's pretty much his to win in the juniors. It's going to be his to win. I don't see any other 83, maybe Antonio Fazio getting there. And that was a weird thing with, I, I, I thought Antonio was doing junior and collegiate, but he was just doing collegiate. Um, and Nico is a junior and you go back and look at the competition. Uh, Danny Stachiak, sorry if I'm completely butchering your name, uh, ended up winning the 83 juniors and Nico underperformed. And he, what I saw from a lot of these lifters is I don't think we would be as surprised if we didn't hear so much of what they were going to do on the platform. If they didn't make these promises or not even promises, these posts that they were going to total this, this is going to happen. This is the day. This is the week that it happens. All the hard work is done. And then you get on the platform and it doesn't go as planned. And I just see it so much with young lifters and it drives me crazy. It drives me crazy to see them, them talk about their accomplishments that they haven't accomplished yet. And that gives them popularity. It gives them notoriety. And we see that there's better lifters out there who maybe are a little bit more low-key, who are maybe a little bit more realistic of what they can do, and end up having a better, better meet than them and performing better on the platform. It's just, it's something yeah. I see too much with young lifters. I mean, if you just specifically goes me real quick, um, he went six for nine, missed his second squat, went up by another 10 keys, and then missed it, and then he missed his third dead. He, he got second by 10 kilos. If he had made... And if he'd made the second squat or missed it and retook it and made it, he would have won. If he made his third deadlift, he would have won on body weight. So he just needed 10 keys and he would have beat Danny on body weight. If you compare him to the Rock Legion, so it's really just the two of them because the the third lifter, the third junior, 83, bombed out. Um, and it looks like there was a withdrawal. So if you compare his total, the 727 and a half, with Kyle Dawson and, and, and it looks like it should be Antonio, I'm sorry, um, Fazio, um, 745, 732 and a half, respectively. So 
Nico had three totals that that beat him out on that day. Mm-hmm. But he, I I thought he was talking about doing over seven forty five, right? Way over seven forty five. I mean, if I'm going to bring it up, he was talking about possibly my total because there was a bet on place that he was going to out total me, and I totaled eight hundred. So you have to be within the seven seventy five to eight hundred range. Yeah. Which you're talking about like being seventh all time in the USAPL. If you're talking about that range, 775 to 800. So that, I mean, I like, it it depends on where your goals are for that meet. But like, if are your goals to win junior nationals, because if that's the case, then you take your, you take your, I actually think I actually do like his attempt selection. And it's not just Nico. I don't mean to pick on him. Um, I have a little bit, you know, I, I do have a little bit of vibrato in my voice because it's like, okay, like you wanted to total me, dude. You should have come a little bit closer to totaling me and maybe you should have picked your fights a little bit better than that. But it's it's not just Nico. It was a lot of other lifters. It was a lot of lifters that they're going to total, you know, seven foot. Like Alex Sidor comes into mind. Like he gets posted on King of Lifts all the time. He gets posted on all these different pages. He really talks a big game. And then goes in with a a far less total than what he was thinking. A far less total than what he's thinking. He was making it seem like he was going to be the collegiate national champion. And really, if you ask a lot of people, they're just going to associate him with being the collegiate national champion when there's so many other guys out there who are you know just better right now. And I think they have more realistic goals. And they have a little bit more mature goals, too. Like, I bought him Shane Nutt. Alex is a big yeah. 83. Maybe, maybe 93 is a better weight class for him where he can actually put together that total that he's looking for. Shane Nutt has done that, and look where he's at. We're talking about Shane Nutt in the beginning of the show, and we're talking about Alex in the down part of the show because he underperformed after talking a big game. Like, this is kind of your punishment when you do that. It does frustrate me when I see that. And I, I would, I guess, pick those two out of the crowd because, like, you were really expecting... I, I mean, I honestly believe that Nico could have had a massive meet. I thought he was going to total 775, but progress seemed to slow down a little bit. But that's what happens when you kind of talk a big game. If progress isn't there, I don't forget shit. People don't forget shit. They're going to be ready. They're going to be ready when you miss. They might be a meme, you know, at the end of it. So I, I, I don't like, I, I just want to see younger lifters not, I don't know what it is. I don't know if this is a new mind. Maybe they watch Last Dance documentary too many times. Maybe they have the Mamba mentality, like in their mind, where you have to be overly confident in order to be a good lifter. And that's not what Kobe and Michael Jordan and all these great athletes did. They put in the hard work first. They had years of trying to get to that level and constantly tried to perfect perfection. And that's why they have that confidence almost arrogance, but I would say it's more confidence of they can't put themselves in a position to fail. You guys are not at that position yet. You are not at the position. You are too young. You are too young to be at that position. I'm okay with confidence, but be, please be realistic with your goals here. Like that's, I I think, I mean, I mean, you look at like Russ isn't even that arrogant and Russ is a three-time national champion. He can talk a game sometimes, but he deserves to. He actually has that right to t- talk a big game. And 
a lot of these lifters don't. They just don't have that right to do it yet. So I, I really respect a lot of the Midland lifters, UTSA lifters that honestly they're not that big on social media. And they, they can be because they're strong as hell. Like even looking at it right now, uh, Joel from UTSA, I, I know him personally. He didn't even have that great of a meet, honestly. Like talking to him, some of his uh, friends, like he, he missed his last two deadlifts um, from seven for nine, but he could have had a, a better meet in general, still put up a, a good total and beat out Alex. Um, yeah. Granted, it was, it was five kilos, but those five kilos matter. Um, and Joel keeps a low profile. And, and so do so many of the UTSA lifters where it's, it's, all, it's just naturally part of their culture where they let their totals talk for them. They let their titles talk for them. And the, their and, records talk for and them. And as a team, and, and also you have to factor in it's a team. Yeah. It's a team, right? Like um, like a lot of teammates keep you in check. A lot of coaches keep you in check. That's yeah. that's a big thing. I mean, I, I know um I, I know Alex has a, has a competitive background, but – you know, if maybe it's a if it's a powerlifting kind of team that he's under, you might have a few people like, hey, keep it in check a little bit. Let's you know keep a little bit more of a low profile because, you know, it it gets it well, gets it could get nasty when you don't. Uh, well, what what's funny is that I didn't know where he went to school. Do you do you know where he went or goes? Penn Penn State. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then the other Penn State lifter that I, I know of is uh, Sean Mills, right? I don't think uh, – Sean talked about on the show. I don't think they have, like, a powerlifting team. So, okay. So, the, so yeah. I yeah, I think yeah. actually – I mean, if you go back to the episode, um, I don't think he meant it. And I actually think – I think Wheeze can come off sometimes, or like, in people's minds as arrogant. But he doesn't really do a whole lot of that. He doesn't he, – he's popular – but he, I, I, I think, I don't think he think goes on Instagram and says what he's going to total. And this is what is going to be, you know, he's, he's going to be the next, he's going to be the future of the sport. He's not that kind of guy. I think people yeah, label yeah. him as that. And I don't think he is, but like on the I, show I though, people, what he said about Penn State powerlifting, like the team aspect, he just wasn't crazy about the team aspect of collegiate lifting. I, I think people might do it for Sean. So let me clarify that yeah. a little bit. Um, I, I don't know Sean personally. I think I follow him. Um, but I, with somebody, I know he has a large following. So that that was what I was getting at in the fact that I didn't know that Alex went to the same university as him. But that even further proves my point where it's like, or our point, if I can go that, that far, of cool both Alex and Sean, it sounds like, don't identify with Penn State. So they're essentially just independent lifters that for the purpose of collegiates are competing underneath the school that they're registered full-time at. But that shows where one university like UTSA or like Midland can create that culture, that team environment where, hey, this this is what we do. We lift, we show up, we put up our total um, versus two independent lifters coming to do whatever. Maybe one talks a little bit more than the other. Um, but again, and I, I might also just be like biased to this perspective because 
I'm working with a young team at Oklahoma, and so this is something that I, I regularly think about is like our culture and kind of not necessarily keeping lifters in check, but I, I definitely monitor more closely the lifters there and their mentality because mentality dictates a lot when it comes to training and, yeah. and our sport. So, yeah, I I mean, I mean, I think I'm biased because I'm just older. I was an old guy at this point, like, and when I see that happen, I just know what's going to, I mean, like I've just a little bit more seasoned at this point from my standpoint as a competitor. And I know for a fact, being realistic helps because every single person I've seen with super, just super inflated goals for themselves, never seem to pan out, never seem to really pan out. And it's okay to have those big goals. It's not bad, but be realistic in how you obtain those goals. That's, Kind of, I guess that's like that's the uh, the overlying message that I'm trying to send out because I've, I mean, almost at a time like I could almost call it, I could almost see it happening. Like I, think, I, I could see it happening with your training. Like, ooh, I know with that weight cut, I know with you know all these factors, you're you're setting yourself for for a little bit of disappointment here. I mean, right? Like, so say so say if one of these lifters, so say if their goal was you know you know 800 or something and they did 760 dude if you're an 83 totaling 760 you're a fucking great lifter but you yeah. had that goal of 800 that, that now you're, I mean, you're i mean you're setting yourself up for disappointing if you, that yeah. was your goal for next meet like dude you're i mean like if your goal is a little more realistic like hey maybe two meets out i could hit 800 you're you're in better that's, shape that's perfect because seven sixty would have won both collegiate and junior. If so, yeah, and, if you're a seven, and, if, and again, like people are thinking now because they compare themselves so much to like, you know, all time records, yep. the best. Re- it's like, dude, if I was twenty three years old, totaling seven sixty, I would have been ecstatic, because that's a people, huge total. That's massive. People get confused on how to climb the ranks. So they're focusing on number one, and they're they're saying how do I how do I become number one versus if they're number thirty, how do they become number twenty five? Because you you got to do that first. Like yeah, you can like have a breakout meet and jump quite a few ranks, but you you've got to start there, and and that's something that I've also tried to build into um, what I'm doing both with lifters outside of collegiate but specifically at OU is having that developmental plan for them where it's like hey by your next meet or within this timeline this is a short-term goal of how how much we're going to add to each list and how it adds to your total um that way they don't set those unrealistic expectations for themselves yeah and then even down to the I, yes it's great and and this is something I don't know, maybe slightly off topic, I guess, but it's a fucking podcast, so screw it. Um, it something that like resonated with me is like I I don't want my team to lose sight that yes, the focus right now has been on the collegiate lifters, like our teammates that qualified and are competing, but I don't want them to feel left out if they didn't qualify. So it's like if if they're not even on that radar yet of like, hey, I want to be top 10, it's like, cool, you still matter. You still have your place and like 
strengths relative, all that, it, it sounds corny, but it's like we can still deliver. This. Most of my lifters from OU made at least a 22.5 kilo like meat PR. So that same 22.5 meat PR or progression delivered to a lifter that didn't qualify for collegiate is just as important to me and should be just as important to that lifter and the rest of the team. Um, so, yeah, I, I think a lot of that is lost. Like, everybody tries to, like what you're saying, tries to hit the 800 versus the Fast Freddy target of what's right in front of them. Maybe if you're hitting 745, just go for the next 20 kilos and hit 765, right? Yeah. Like, you, you shouldn't have to set those unrealistic expectations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I agree with you on that. And I just, I, I think that, I mean, this is, I, I think, I really can't even blame them. It's just fault of being impulsive, right? It's, I mean, yeah. we're talking about very typical behavior from people from the ages 18 to 22. Like, that's yeah, what you nature. get. Yeah. Like, that's, like, that's what you get. And, like, it's it's harder to look at the long term in that situation because it's, it's, it's hard for people that age to visualize that because I, I, for me, I mean, of course I get nervous for meets and all that stuff and like looking at my next total, but I always know there's going to be another meet after that. Like, this is not my last meet. Like this is not, and I'm fucking 28. Like if, if I think yeah. that these 22 year olds can be thinking that too, like this is definitely not my last meet. I could still improve upon whatever I do today. And even if I do total something like 800, you know, I'm going to forget about it in a week because I have to, you know, try to top that 800. And it's like, there's, there's goals you can set up for yourself. And I think that's something that they have to fix. And I think once they do a lot of those young lifters, they're going to be beasts. Like there's, even though I, I you know, I was a little critical of them, you know, Alex and Nico, they are both two brilliant competitors. They're both fantastic. Yeah. Like even the totals that they made are, are, are great. Uh, it's just way under the expectations that they had. And, you know, the again, the internet doesn't forget things. They kind of keep those in. And they they could be, you know, just sitting down being like, I actually don't give a shit. Like, all right, whatever. I had a good time. We could be the ones just being like, you're making a bigger deal out of this than it actually is. But I, I still do think that they're competitors and want to do better in the sport. And I think one way of being better is to visualize some long-term success, capitalize on it, and they 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 have both the potential of being, you know, prime time top five, top three lifters within their careers. Um, I just I think a lot of lifters in that level uh, think that they need to be top three at that meet. Right at that meet, they should be within within the conversation of top ten. Like it's. Okay, it's a goal. I like the goal. I actually do like Alex Sider's goal of like trying to be top ten at eighty three within this year. But with that, you know, if you come short of that, really short of that, then you know maybe maybe uh, goal goal setting should be a skill he works on. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, but hey, man, we said. Me and Steve that we might not do like a big recap on collegiate nationals, and we've been talking for about two hours. So yeah, we did. That was a cold take. 
on me and Steve's part. I mean, granted, Steve's not here. Uh, he had he actually he had to run a meet himself this entire weekend. So yeah, he was that. yeah he was doing um I forgot what it was, Springfield Showdown, which I gotta talk yeah. to him about title. Can we just stop calling things Showdown? Like just for a second, just stop calling everything Showdown. I get it. Um, I'm if I ever yeah. have a meet directing hat on, I have to come up with a name that's not Battle Showdown, Clash War, Clash War. Um, actually, Gina Hensley with Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, that was. I'm like, all right. I'm like, I I actually think Gina. I have to actually ask her now. Maybe she's a wrestling fan. I think she actually is. I'm like, you just named it after a wrestler. Just, just not even, not even. You just got like, all right. I'm getting this out of the way. We're naming this after the Ultimate Warrior. So yeah, like that's what our meet is. So yeah, I gotta talk to Steve about that. But man. It's always a pleasure having you on Two White Lights. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Hopefully, I'm not too much of a stranger. Not, not just the web guy. You're, you're not. You're absolutely not. You are a friend of the program. You are, you are just about two. You are just about as part as Two White Lights now. Yeah. You are. Nice. You are. Yeah, I mean, Grant, you, you've actually taken the title right now of like, uh, unofficial co-host. Well, I, I have done two meet recaps now, so yeah. it, it feels like I've got big shoes to fill with well, no issue size, but um, it, it's not like he's, he's left, obviously. No, so. but here's but the yeah. thing. We could always think about it in the future because there's so much meat recaps to do. I mean, I am yeah. opposed to a lot of people on a podcast. But three is a solid number for me. Four, too much. Five, you're fucking crazy. <laughs> One, no. It's hard. Yeah, I tried it. It's not. It's very. It's very difficult to talk to yourself. But two, a two's you know a great match. But three to me is that magic number, where you well, actually dude. hear all the guys talking. <laughs> Yeah. Not just one person's like, did we hear from that dude in like 35 minutes? Like, is he even at the, is he still part of the podcast? Like we, we could, we could definitely make three work. Well, I, I think it's also been nice where it's like, well, nice and not nice. Like I like Steve. I enjoy talking to Steve, like DMing Steve, but uh, we, we haven't been on at the same time, but we don't even, we haven't even experienced that dynamic yet. Yeah, so, we got to... I mean, it's still two, and having two at a time is very manageable, so... Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, we'll think about that when a meat, re- meat recap rolls around. Um, it's going to be a little bit of time, you know. Uh, Frat Nats was, you know, was great for that, but it's going to be a little bit before we do another... At least another USAPL uh, meat recap. Might yeah. have one for the current, but... You know, who knows how that goes. We we all know how the first untested uh, meet recap went. Uh, not great. <laughs> I mean, actually, in my opinion, it was fantastic. I think 90% of people thought it was fantastic. But apparently we have yeah. to work on some things. But uh, cancel the show. Yeah. The, I mean, I mean, who isn't getting canceled these days, right? Yeah. 
You know what? Great. You're a shitty podcast if you don't get canceled. How about that? I'm gonna I'm gonna take it up. I'm gonna that's my hot take. You're a shitty podcast if you're not canceled at least once in your history. Yeah, you've gotta have some sort of controversy. Exactly. I mean we might get I mean did we I mean we might uh we might get into ageist right now. We've we've t- I mean I talked a lot of shit about young people this episode. <laughs> Old man yells at cloud. This entire episode is this is what should it be called? Old man yells at cloud. Yeah, you're gonna have you're gonna have Nico's Nico's, Nico's army is gonna come up against you. Yeah, I'm so He's scared. Gonna... I'm so frightened of his army. Oh God! If if another anime profile pic is in my DMs, oh jeez, I can't handle myself. I'm so scared of people who watch cartoons. Oh no. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I know a lot of fans listen. You guys know I like making fun of anime, uh, but maybe think about changing your profile. Just you know, be and be a grown adult man. But yeah, and on top of that, I'm I'm burning a bridge with my own coach. He's yeah. I actually got a chance to to talk to Joe in person this time at the at Fred So that that was actually kind of nice. Yeah, Joe's Joe's a great guy, and I'm and I know I'm I'm uphill battle with all the anime hate because I mean Eric Helms, my one of my like heroes of fitness, yeah, put Team Anime. I'm like, no, Eric, Eric, not you too. I'm like I I started watching you and 3D MJ's videos when just getting into fitness. Yeah, and he's That's and he put Team everything. Anime yeah. on his. I don't know. I didn't even know he liked anime. I had no idea. He probably did it just to, to spite you. He probably doesn't. Eric know Helms does not like... know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, I, I mean, yeah. Al- 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 um, Alberto knows who, who I am. That's cool. That's actually a really cool <laughs> thing because I, I told them like I, I, I when I talked to Alberto uh, Nationals, I'm like I did watch your videos like all the time. Yeah. Like that was the first video I watched. So he knows who I am. It's cool actually DMing him because uh, he's a really cool guy. Eric totally does not know who I am. I know that for a fact. So you know what would have really helped the lifting community is if they watched some of their videos, Alberto and Eric, as much as they watch anime. Yes, that would that would completely change. Yeah, the lifting sphere. <laughs> Yeah, man, that would definitely help because I I doubt that um, you know what I like doing. I like making up names and seeing if they're actually anime characters. So <laughs> uh, that like I can't because I can't think because I'm I'm getting a little stale of uh, Nar- Naruto and uh, Vegeta and yeah. like all that. So I just been like I've been DMing people like, did you put Cairo Ky- Cairo San Sansonine San, Sansonine Sansonine vibes yeah. yet? Did you did you get that that feel the the Cairo I almost said Cairo Santos Cairo, yeah might as well Cairo Santos vibes the place kicker for the Chicago Bears he sounds like an anime character like I don't know like I I like doing that now to piss off people like what are you talking about I'm like oh that is an anime character my bad I was just making up obscure names to see if uh, that hits but. Yeah, I'm sure right. that's what they do in the writer's room. Yeah, right for sure. Absolutely. I 
You know what? Yeah, that that the I know they're more creative, and I don't want to get you know too. I'm gonna get you know angry hate mail from anime fans, um, angry DMs. Hate mail doesn't exist. But all right, man, it's been two hours. It's late. I'll let you go. Thank you for coming on Two White Lights. Uh, Friday, we have March Madness Final Fours, as Steve liked to call it. I'm gonna call it the championships with the males and females. Voting goes up. Actually, by the time this episode airs, voting will be up. And, yeah, can't wait to see the comments and debates that uh, happen from that. So that's going to be Friday, guys. Get excited. Me and Steve are going to debate again. Peace. See you guys on Friday.